Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts. Mark and AJ. Joining us now is the man who had won several prep honors, including being selected as Florida's Mr. Basketball. The Phoenix Suns selected him with the ninth overall pick in the 2002 NBA draft. He spent his first 12 and a half seasons with the Suns and the New York Knicks before finishing his NBA career with the Dallas Mavericks and the Miami Heat. During his career, he won the 2003 NBA Rookie of the Year Award, made six appearances in the NBA All-Star, was a first-team All-NBA selection in 2007, won a bronze medal with the United States national team at the 2004 Olympics. His off-court ventures include a record label, a clothing line, acting in a series of children's books for Scholastic Press. In addition, he owns a significant chair of the Hapol Jerusalem basketball team. It is a pleasure to welcome number one in your program and number one in the hearts of Nick fans everywhere, the one and only Amari Stoudemire to WLIE Sports Talk New York. Welcome, or maybe shalom. I should actually say shalom, Amari. <laughs> shalom, guys. Shalom, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. Oh, and yo, thanks for being with us. I know <laughs> on top of it, you're at a wedding, so we really appreciate it. So um, just take time out from the horror, and then we'll ask you a few questions. You can go on back. Yeah. You, you know, you take a look, and, and your road to the NBA is certainly somewhat different from the typical route. As due to family issues when you're growing up, you transferred between five high schools in two states six different times. First attending Lake Wales High School in, in Lake Wales, Florida, then to Mount Zion Christian Academy in Durham in October of 99. Then you moved to Emmanuel Christian Academy in Leland, then returned to Lake Wales, then moved to West Orange High School in Winter Garden, Florida, and then finally moving to Cypress Creek High School in Orlando, where you graduated in 2002. I'm exhausted just saying that. I can't even imagine what it's like for you as a young adult. Due to all the transfers, on top of it, you missed your entire junior year of basketball. Now, I have read somewhere that you kept going during this difficult time. What kept you going was God and the words of Tupac. So what about Tupac was, you know, that resonated with you that kept you going through that difficult time? Well, well, you're right. I mean, it was definitely a difficult journey. I was, um, uh, because of my, uh, you know, family background, I had to make decisions at a young age. And it wasn't always the correct decision, but I had to make the, the decision to, to uh, eventually become successful. Uh, but, yeah, I think what helped me a lot was my prayers. I mean, I prayed every single night during those times. I knew I was, uh, I was, I was doing everything positive and just staying out of trouble and keeping a, a nice group of friends around me. So I knew I had the right structure, but I needed a little extra motivation. So I said my prayers every night. And from Tupac Shakur, I took all the positive music from Tupac Shakur because obviously you know he's very controversial and there's also some negative things from him. But I was able to take a lot of the positive uh, message from him that applied to my life and then I've been applied it uh, to my life, so it was very helpful. You, know, you actually didn't start playing organized basketball until you're 14. You only played two years of it in high school, but in both, you're named the MVP of the Nike Summer League. In your senior league, you averaged 29.1 points, 15 rebounds, 6.1 block shots, 2.1 steals per game. You're selected to play in the 2002 McDonald's All-American Game at Madison Square Garden, New York City, where you played with two future Nick teammates, Carmelo Anthony and Ray Felton. Do you remember that feeling with everything that you went through, walking onto the Madison Square Garden court, basically as a high school student at that point? 
Absolutely. I mean, when I when I played uh, back in high school, it, it, it was such an amazing uh, experience for me because I was literally the big man on campus. <laughs> I mean, there was a segment where HBO, Real Sports, and Brian Gumbel would follow me around on campus and with the camera crew and all, all the students like, what is going on with this new guy at this school, the type of trick high school, projected to go top five, you know, in the draft and so forth. Uh, it, it, it was an amazing experience. Uh, and so I was able to, to be successful during that time. So you initially were going to follow the traditional path to the NBA. You play in high school, you go to college for a bit, and then you go to the draft. And you had committed to play for the University of Memphis for John Calipari. You instead chose to go to the NBA draft directly. Do you ever have thoughts what might it have been if you played for Coach Cal? Yeah, I thought about it a lot, actually. I mean, I had a chance where I played. Uh, uh, I committed to the University of Memphis at the time. Uh, we had a good uh, group of guys there. DeJuan Wagner was the top player in the college at the moment. We had a good recruiting class also coming in my year. So I felt like if I did go to college, then it Memphis would be a good scenario for me because then we had a chance to compete for a national title. But my talents were uh, far beyond what I, at least what I expected because I was very well equipped and capable of being a good player uh, in the NBA at the age of 18. Uh, and so I decided to go to the NBA high school. You know, it's interesting because this is something over doing the show for the last 10 years. AJ and I have spoken about a lot, and it's the one-and-done mentality in college these days. But you take a look at what you were able to accomplish without playing college ball at all. Do you think that maybe we, as sportscasters and announcers, put too much value on the college game? No, actually, I think if, if a player is... Uh, capable to go out of high school and play in the NBA, and you go through all the psychological tests and the, uh, you do all the proper assessments to make sure this athlete and this player is capable of not only playing in the NBA, but also being able to control his lifestyle off the court in the NBA. If you can create a test program that can allow you to uh, do a fair assessment, then I think players should be able to come out of high school. Now, if not, and that's, you can't make this type of adjustment or you create this, this, this structure, then I think you should go to college for a year or even overseas and play for a year and get ready for the NBA draft if that's the case. You know, as we mentioned, you're, you're taken with the ninth pick 2002 NBA draft by the Phoenix Suns, um, the only high school player taken that year in the first round. You had lost your dad eight years prior to that draft. What do you think that moment would have meant to him, seeing you pull over that Phoenix jer Suns jersey for that first time draft night? Wow. Wow. That's the first time I ever got someone asking that question. And that's a very good question. I mean, my father was a, was a, was a great role model for me because he was a hardworking uh, young man at the time, and he also was a, uh, a faith-driven man. So he was very family-oriented. And for him to see me as a getting drafted, I'm sure he would probably be so excited, so ecstatic, and knowing that he would have helped me in the process throughout the way, so I'm sure he would have been very, very excited and happy about that. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to the great Amari Stoudemire. That rookie season, the Suns led by you, a 25-year-old Stephon Marbury, a 24-year-old Sean Marion, and a 21-year-old Joe Johnson made it to the playoffs. You guys were defeated by the eventual champions of San Antonio Spurs. I, you know, you look back at that roster, and, and I'm just wondering how important Penny Hardaway 
was, who was at that point in his ninth NBA season, as a mentor. I mean, that's a very young core right there. And you obviously, teams need a mentor. What was Penny for you and for the other guys as well? What did he mean to you guys? You know, Penny for me, as being a Orlando guy, growing up here when, when the Orlando Magic were the team to beat and went to the NBA Finals, and then now becoming teammates with, with a player that I actually looked up to in my, and was fascinated by his game, to be now playing on the same team, I took the opportunity to really just pick his brain and try to figure out, you know, what it takes to be <laughs> as successful as he was. And he was such a great uh, open-hearted guy to where he would teach you whatever he, whatever he could. And that's why he's coaching now young basketball with the youth because he's just a guy that wants to give off the basketball knowledge, which is great. Now, years two and three of your career there, you see some major changes to the Suns. Frank Johnson's out as head coach. Mike D'Antoni takes over 2004-2005 NBA season. The Suns then sign free agent point guard Steve Nash. The chemistry with you guys, are, are it's immediate. And the way you guys run the pick and roll reminded of many of the way the Hall of Famers John Stockton and Carl Malone ran it. What was it that made you guys click so quickly and, and so seamlessly? Well, you know what? You know, we, we, we traded so many guys that year before. We played with maybe eight guys in the roster for that second half of the year. And we had a nice group, a nice core group with myself, Joe Johnson, Sean Marion. We had guys that were solid, like Yonke Barbosa and a few other players. So when we had free agency talk, we talked about Kobe Bryant, we talked about Steve Nash, and a few other players. And so... My initial thought was, we, got, we need a point guard. We have to go into Steve Nash. And obviously, I was thinking on the same page as the coaching staff, even though we didn't talk about it, but we were on the same page. Uh, and so we went to recruit Steve. Steve came to join our team. And when Steve joined our team, it was a chemistry level that just organically grew from the grassroots. I mean, it was something that just exploded. And we were on a tandem, and we knew each other. You know, it's like like we just had a, a special connection. Like, we knew what each other was thinking. And uh, he, he was he's a great, great point guard, very unselfish player, and a great leader as well. During the 2005-06 NBA preseason, you find out that you have knee cartilage damage and you undergo microfracture surgery October 18, 2005. As an athlete that in basketball more than any other sport really depends on your legs, what goes through your mind when you prep for surgery? Not the surgery in, in Trainwreck, the film, but this actual surgery. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what, to be, to be quite frank with you, I, I didn't know what the microfracture meant. When I felt this pain, I was in training camp, following a great, a great season I had the year before, and I was ready to take on the world if I could, you know, at the time. I felt great. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling some little pains in my knees, and I wasn't sure what it was. So I went to the training staff, training staff, sent me to the doctors. The doctors say, well, the only way for us to know what's going on is to go inside. You may just need a simple scope, which is an orthoscopic scope, or you may need a microfracture. At the time, I had no idea what a microfracture was. I asked a few questions about it, but I, I, I was kind of sure that it wasn't. I didn't need that, you know. So uh, eventually, we have the procedure. Doc goes inside. I come out of the procedure. And he says, uh, "We have have performed the microfracture surgery. You're out from six to twelve months." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> 
a scary. Dude, my yeah. heart, my heart dropped. My bones shook. My toes quibbled. I, I was so, I was so taken back by it. I couldn't believe. It. I'm like, this is my year. I came off a great year last year, you know. And so, uh, I knew it was going to be a tough, tough process to get back from that. If you just tuned in, we're talking to NBA great Amari Stoudemire. You may get back from that well, surgery. Let, let's stop for one second and make back from the surgery, though. He comes back, and then, Amari, you play a little bit and realize you need more rehab. So what made you realize that you tried to push it too soon to get back on the court? How important was it? And how did you feel when you said, well, gee, i got to stop and do months more rehab? Well, I was, we went to Cavizo that, that year in training camp in Italy. Uh, Mike D'Antoni obviously has a special connection to, uh, uh, to the Italian people. And we went to Italy, and it was such an amazing training camp. And I was feeling good moments, and then moments I was just crashed. And my body, my knees could feel like it was the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. And I contemplated a retired man. I was like, this is too much. And I talked to my family, my mother, my friends, and brothers. And they were like, just hang in there. Just keep this. Just persevere. There's any word you should put in your mind is persevere. Just persevere. So I stayed, I stayed focused, stayed locked in. And when I felt the excruciating pain, I talked to my trainers. I was almost hugging that time. Uh, and they were just telling me it's going to be okay. It's got to go through this rough moment. This is going to be a tough, tough, tough moment for you. But we're going to get through it. And with all that motivation and extra uh, uh, verbal uh, uh, confirmation, it helped me get, get over the hump. Yeah, and you make it all the way back from the surgery. You regain your all-star form as well. You lead the Suns in scoring, 25.2 points per game, rebounds, 9 per game in the 2007-8 season. You make the all-star game, and you get to play with a guy that you idolized while growing up. You mentioned before about Penny, but, you know, you get uh, uh, the, the Suns go out and sign a veteran backup center, Shaquille O'Neal, in February of that season. What's it like to now, a guy you idolized, and I'm assuming probably had posters in your room of this guy, you know, when you were growing up, and now he's your teammate? Oh, you don't understand. I was an avid card collector, <laughs> so I had all the upper deck, Becky cards. I, 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 had, I had all the, the cards, and Shaq was the guy I would trade for at any moment. <laughs> you know, if you have an Allen Iverson net burner, I'm going to trade you my, my Kevin Garnett net burner. For your skill on meal card, you know. Don't let uh, don't let Iverson hear that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shaq was my guy. Right. I grew up in Florida, in Orlando. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was I was I was right there. I was right there. You know, in the moment and when we acquired Shaq, I was I was excited. Shaq called me, say, hey, "I'm coming out to Phoenix." I was like, "Great, awesome, perfect championship. Let's go." And, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's how it happened. Well, here's the bigger question. As soon as you heard that, did you, you scurry home and, and look to find your cards and have them sign them? You know what, man? I, my child, my, my, my youth growing up, we moved from New York uh, back to Florida. So when I moved from New York, man, my cards somehow got lost in the shuffle. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that always happens. It's everyone. Right. It's the, everyone's <laughs> worst nightmare. It's usually mom's fault. Right. right. Usually Mom, they throw them out. Right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so oh, yeah, I was so hurt. My heart, my heart was broken. <laughs> you, that, you know what? If whoever's listening out there 
has to find a Shaquille O'Neal signed, you know, upper deck card, and we got to yeah. get it to Amari. That, or if Shaq is listening. Or if Shaq is listening, yeah. 2009-2010 season, be your last as a son. You finish your tenure with the Suns, fourth in franchise history in scoring, average 21.4, third in rebounds, free throws made, attempted, fifth in block shots, single game records for consecutive three throws in one game, block shots. June 30th, 2010, you opted out of your contract with the Phoenix Suns, which made you an unrestricted free agent. And on the very first day that when free agents were allowed to officially sign, you signed with the New York Knicks. Now, you know, it takes a special athlete to want to play here in New York. So much pressure, so much going on. You announce at the press conference the Knicks are back, which now puts additional pressure on you, referring to the team's lack of success the past few years, and you do everything you can to back that up. During that first Knicks season, you set a franchise record with nine straight 30-point games. You set a franchise record with nine straight shooting games of 50% or better from the field. Your name a starter on the Eastern Conference All-Star team, becoming the first Knick to start in that game since Patrick Ewing. Sensing that the Knicks may have something going, the Knicks make a three-team trade with the Denver Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves, and you know, if you're new to Nick fandom, this is before Phil Jackson. Okay, so it was a good <laughs> right. trade. Um, sent the you know, and we got Carmelo Anthony along with the Nuggets starting point guard Chauncey Billups. Do you remember your initial reaction the day you heard that trade? Um, I mean, my initial reaction was that I needed someone that could carry the load in case of emergency. Uh, because I knew my body was uh, fragile. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the strongest and I wasn't completely the healthiest. So I wanted to make sure that I had someone here in New York that can also carry the torch. Uh, and so when, when we signed Camelo and Chauncey, I felt at the moment that it was uh, what we needed. And you know, the city of New York and the state of New York needed to have more star power within Madison Square Garden as a New York Knicks basketball player, which I think is lacking for a long time. And that was a part of my plan when I first signed with the Knicks. I wanted to bring in another star player that can add to the franchise. You know, they, the you know, they, they talked today about how players are putting together their own teams, other players. When you came to New York, it seems at least from afar, one of the key reasons was coming back and playing for Mike D'Antoni. How important was that, and how big a factor was that in your decision to come to New York? And what are the factors, you know, weighed in saying, "Hey, I want to play in New York," as Mark said, on a very difficult stage? Well, you know, I think I think that helped me a lot because I knew the coach's staff, I knew the style of play, and um, and I wanted to to bring New York back. I wanted to bring New York basketball back, and so that that was my goal. Uh, I have a special love for New York because I was obviously raised there. Then uh, eventually moved back to Florida for high school and so forth. But uh, I, wanted, I wanted to and I have a special love for Mr. Dolan. So I wanted to give back to the city. I wanted to give back to the state. And I had so much pride uh, of playing for, for the New York nation, having that New York's you know, uh, name across my jersey. We're talking with Amari Stoudemire. So, you know, I don't know how much you got to see of the season when you're over there in Israel, but you know, from an outsider, from afar, what's you know, from the the level of success that you guys finally brought back to the Knicks, and the Knicks were not only watchable, highly entertaining, won the first playoff round in in you know forever, and were back. Just as what you said, that day you signed, the Knicks are back. 
looking at it from an outsider's perspective, this whole Phil Jackson era, spelt E-R-R-O-R as opposed to E-R-A, um, what's gone wrong? Why, why has it gone off the rails so terribly? Oh, man. I mean, I mean that's, that's a very, very, very good question. Um, I do think that there's a lot can happen with the organization. I think there's a lot of positive things that can happen uh, with the mixed organization. Uh, bringing in Phil Jackson, we all thought that was a great move. The world thought it was a great move to bring in uh, Phil Jackson. My year, my year when I played in New York, I was very excited about the turn of offense. I felt that it set my game. And I felt, I felt that it fit everyone's game at the moment because we all were very versatile players. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, everyone didn't agree with the triangle offense, so therefore it's hard to build a team chemistry from a, uh, uh, from a team standpoint, from a player and team standpoint, and also coaches because we all, uh, everyone didn't really agree with everything, so it was hard to, uh, for the coaching staff as well. Uh, and at that time of my career, I was really ready to win a title to contend for a championship while I had great health in my body. And that's when I decided to go in um, uh, and try to play for a playoff team and said I won a championship before I retired. Now, during your time with the Knicks, obviously, there was a 2011 NBA lockout, which proved to be a very interesting time for you. You served as the player representative for the Knicks. You took history seminars at Florida International University. You also did some acting, which included uh, appearing in the second-to-last episode of Entourage. <laughs> but maybe the thing that got the most press was when you considered playing overseas for Maccabee Tel Aviv, uh, B.C., due to your possible Jewish heritage. In a 2010 interview, you said, I have been aware since my youth that I am a Hebrew through my mother, and that is something Something that has played a subtle but important role in my development. You visited Israel that year, saying you intended to get a better understanding of your heritage. Can you tell a listening audience a little bit about that trip and what it actually meant to you? You know, it was an amazing trip for me because I've been meaning to get to Israel for so long and just study. They have they have different uh, organizations now. I think we can go and study. I think it's birthright. A few other things you can do now to go to Israel and to study. And that was my motto. That's what I wanted to do since I was in my 20s, was go to Israel and just study when I could. And so when I finally got the opportunity to, there was no USA basketball. There was no summer commitments for I was acting. I had a summer to now travel. And all my friends teased me, you travel to Israel instead of going to, you know, San Pay or, you know, the, the, the French Riviera. You to go to Israel. <laughs> uh, I went to Israel and I, and I and I took the time out to my family, my, my my wife and children with me, and we studied and we lived and we enjoyed it, and it was a special moment for us as a family. Obviously, it had a, pr- a profound effect on you. Is after you retired from the NBA, you did not retire from playing basketball. August first, two thousand sixteen, you signed a two-year deal with the team in Jerusalem, a team you co-own in the Israeli Basketball Premier League. October first, two thousand six, you helped them win the Israeli Basketball League Cup. Uh, what was the season and the experience like? Now going back there, being a, a co-owner of the team, and then winning the championship. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it was a challenge. <laughs> to say the least, it, it, it was a challenge. I mean, because I put my ownership in a in a trust to the side, so that's why I wasn't quite the owner as I, while I played, and I wasn't sure how the players were going to react to me as an NBA player, All Stars, former superstar player, now playing in you know for a team in Jerusalem and Israel, kind of taking their shine. 
You know what I mean? So I, I didn't know what type of egos I was going to be dealing with there. So it was a little bit of a challenge at first. Uh, as far as my leadership qualities, I didn't want to be too much of a leader as I am in the NBA. I, didn't, I wasn't sure if the guys could take that type of leadership or not. Uh, so I slowly uh, built my way up. You know, I wasn't sure about the new rules as far as the Russian rule in Israel where you have to play two uh, uh, citizens that on, on the court at all times. And there's so many different rules as far as there is a defense in three seconds. You can, you can stand in lane forever if you need to. You can go and in and take the ball off the rim. These different rules. I, it took time for me to figure it out. And so, but I was able to overcome that, uh, establish my leadership, play at a high level, play the entire season with good health, and we eventually won a championship, which was the ultimate goal. Well, that leads to this question, okay? When opening day of the NBA rolls around, you're going to be 34 years old, which is six years younger than Vince Carter, five years younger than Manu, Manu Ginobili, only two years older than LeBron James and Chris Paul. So I guess the question we need to ask, is there any shot opening day of the NBA season that Amari Stoudemire is in an NBA uniform? Oh, man. Uh, I, I, I think there is a shot. I wow. think there is a shot that I may, that I may return so, uh, back to the NBA. So does that mean that well, you're going to? There isn't a guarantee. Now you, so you, you did you're, mention you're, your love of Mr. Well, Dolan. Yeah, but, are you going to call? But, are you going to call Charles Dolan up and say, "Hey, you know, you got a new regime there. You know, think about me when you're looking to fill out the roster." Especially leadership as well, because they yeah. need leadership. They have some young players. You know, Carmelo wants someone there. I, I mean, to me, it's a perfect fit. I don't know about you. I've got a more perfect fit for you. Uh, you're now both champions. You have worked with a uh, two-time MVP before. Are you considering the Bay, or if they're considering the you, Bay? would you love oh, to go there? Really? No, no, no. They need a little no, help. Ryan, Ryan, that, that's they need a little help. You're not going to Golden no, State. No, no. Uh, if you go to Golden <laughs> State, I'm never watching another basketball game. <laughs> Murray wants to be hey, in Hey, listen, guys. Hey, I know you know what? The NBA has been so exciting to watch this year. I mean, I knew it was going to come down to the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, but it's just been so exciting to watch all the players develop, even the young players who are improving and becoming better players in this league. The game of basketball is becoming competitive again, where guys are really taking this game serious. Um, so, I, 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 you know, that's something that I, I love and I gravitate to as being a competitor. Um, so, you never know. You, you never know. Golden State's a great, great, great team. They're doing very well. But there's teams that need help. You know, there's teams that need true leadership to get the organization back on, on track. And so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I'm smelling. I, you know, I, I think it's the chemistry. I still have with the my number one Nick jersey. It, it still fits me too. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm loving. I'm getting a little vibe here, though. Um, all right. Then closing this out, you look at everything you've accomplished off the court. You started Each One Teach One Foundation in 2003. You funded your very own AAU team named Team Stat. You received the NBA's Community Assist Award. You started your own clothing line, which launched at Macy's. You have your own record label named I can't even pronounce that. Hyper. Calypto. Uh, you signed rappers from Phoenix to Atlanta. As we mentioned, you're a major stockholder of the basketball team in Israel. You, start, you signed a book deal with Scholastic Press to write a series of mid, middle grade chapter books called Stat, Standing Tall and Talented. Of all Don't forget those, the art collector. The art collector the art as well. Art right? Collection. right. Of all your off-court activities, which is the one that you're the most proud of? And which of those, you know, obviously athletes are always looking for the same thrill they get on the court. Which of those off-the-court activities 
give you the, the that kind of same thrill a, as a big game? Well, you know what I think. What, what, what I'm very proud of is the uh, my, my new program, my, my basketball program that I have down on Orlando, Florida, with Nike Sports by Nike. Is the uh, each one, two, one United program I have there. We have developed a system that not only makes players, young youth basketball players, turn them into good college players, and then they hopefully eventually NBA players. But we have so many guys that are going to college and graduating college. We just had three players in the NBA draft this year that came out of my program. Obviously, uh, uh, Austin Rivers came out of my program. D'Angelo Russell came out of my program. These guys are all Jonathan Isaac this year came out of my program. So yeah, we, have, we have so many players that are developing and becoming better men and also better basketball players. Uh, so I think that is what I'm probably the most proud of so far at the moment. Amari, thank you so much for your time tonight. More importantly, thanks for providing Nick fans with exciting seasons when you were here. Hopefully, Hopefully. Yeah, from what we're hearing... Please, uh, please, please. Let's, yeah. please. Let's hope the knees are in good shape. Uh, and let's hope Charles still has the same number that you had before you went to Israel. Get in touch with Mello. <laughs> yeah. Get in touch with KP. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, go back, enjoy the wedding. Thank you so much for taking out time for us tonight. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay. I appreciate it. Speak to you soon. You got it. Former New York Nick, maybe future New York Nick, six-time NBA All-Star Amari Stoudemire.